So good morning, good day, good welcome to wherever you are. I'm Phil Rose. I'm your scaling coach for the day. And today I'm talking to an even bigger scaling coach. I'm talking to Bill Gallagher. Bill and I met in Dallas, Texas back in February, April, May this year. Um, I lose track of time sometimes when I think about those things. It's been such a blur. But when I heard Bill talking and I've listened to his podcast, I realized this man has got an expert in what he does. He's got a number of businesses under his belt already. And he works closely with Vern Heinrich to help Vern and others scale their businesses as well. So welcome, Bill Gallagher, to the Sparks by Ignium podcast. What does Scaling Coach mean to you? Uh, it means I was smart enough to grab the URL, the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> like it like it i think i think actually in the uk i think i uh i tried to get scaling scaling up and scaling coach uk and various people have taken those before neil lewis i think um so it's always nice to get the the url in there in the first place um but you've been doing well, this for a long time yeah yeah for almost 10 years um and really when you consider the part-time and other related uh leadership training work and stuff that i did beforehand um, all that coaching, that's uh, 17 years now. So it's been a long time since um, I started working in this thing. Uh, and I started as a sideline while I was CEO of a, one of the earlier companies that I led. Um, so, yeah, a little, okay. little while. And, okay. you know, really, um, there's two things about it. One is I love working with uh, entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, because they do stuff, they do stuff, they do stuff that impacts the world. And um, really, practically and selfishly, they can pay me. Um, so as opposed to like working with kids or things like that, um, which is all fine. Um, yeah. There's some value in uh, in that other uh, focus. So I've been um, focused on that for a long time now. Certainly, it's a place that I could play that I had experience as a CEO, mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. Um, so that's been my focus is helping businesses and leaders grow. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and a lot of people say to me, you know, what is it you do? And I say, well, I say help businesses scale. And I, I, you know, one of the things I do with an Ignium is scale with purpose. So when people ask you, what is it you do? What's the what's the thing that scaling coach Bill Gallagher actually does for business owners? Well, really, I help people solve two problems. Um, there's there's one of two problems that people come to us. So everybody that we work with has huge goals and they're either have stopped growing or the growth is slowed. It's either stopped, contracted or slowed. And so our focus is on getting growth going again. So that's largely around strategy um, and purpose and things like that. And then the other um, thing that we do is help people deal with growth. And that's probably a little bit more common but things come and go over time. So the other one is they're growing, but it's just taking more time, more money, more effort. They're losing their themselves in it and they're trying to bring some order back to things uh, or they're worried about suddenly the growth is going to stop. And um, so that's the uh, that's the other side. One of two problems that we work on, both dealing with business growth. Yeah. And and, and, and I, I get that in terms of both dealing with business growth. A lot of people say I want to grow. And in fact, not everybody says they want to grow because some businesses, they're quite happy doing what they do. They stay as the, the mum and dad business and they, they want to continue. Yeah, they don't work, they don't work with us. They don't work with us. That's, that's a good point. But what is it they come to us for? What you know? Do they say they want to grow? Or what's the end result? Because I often think about it. You know, people want the end result. They, they want the growth. They want what comes from it. So what's the thing they typically want when they come to talk to you? Well, how do they find 
you in the first place and what is it they want from you? Well, so everybody finds me in different ways. Um, It's a referral. It's a discovery of the show. But I would say most of it is referral. So a CEO or a friend or somebody said, um, I love what you're talking about. You should talk to Bill Uh, or Bill helped me or that kind of thing. Or, hey, check out Scaling Up. And then they talk to them. They say, hey, we're looking for a coach like this. And they're like, oh, of our 200 some coaches, Bill is the guy for that. You know, like whatever it is, there's a matchmaking there. Okay. And your work, you've mentioned some of the clients you've met in terms of, you know, you're in Denver the other day, but you seem to work all over. So if you look at a geographical region, do you work specifically in the Bay Area or do you go outside of that on a regular basis? I I have worked across almost every continent um, and uh, dozens of cities. Mm. Uh, I... No, I've gone wherever there's something of interest to me. Um, I'll go and do it. You know, I've led workshops in Pakistan. Um, I've led workshops and coached companies in the UK and across the continent in Asia, um, all across the US, Canada, um, wow. not in Latin America, but that's maybe because um, they'll often do business more in Spanish and there are plenty of really yeah. good coaches I know who work that area. Yeah, I met a few of them in Dallas back in uh, in, in April as well. So uh, it's nice yes. to know that. So, yeah. so, so one of the questions I often come back to, you know, we talk about, you know, having a niche. And one of the, the areas that I work within, specifically within Igmium, um, and look at those businesses is around this thing about purpose. And we all know that purpose, well, I believe purpose is meaning a lot more for people recently. Um, in the last five years, we've seen it. But even, I think during the COVID pandemic, people have thought about, you know, what's my purpose? Why do I want to do what I do? And we see a lot of businesses struggling to find staff. And, you know, since I've been in California for the last period of time, I've noticed there's lots of vacancies. There's lots of um, issues that we're seeing the same issues back in the UK in terms of lacking staff, where people have gone off to do something different. They've decided they want something else for life. Uh, and, and my philosophy around this is that a lot of businesses want to find purpose, but they don't know how to get it. So I wonder what's your take on that and what you're seeing around um, the balance between purpose versus commercial gains for business. And you've got to do both in my view, but what's the, what's the thing you're seeing? Right. So, um, so as, as you noted, I'm a scaling up coach um, and scaling up, we tend to work on lots of parts of the company, the people, the strategy, the execution, the cash, four big things around the way companies run critical decisions. And it involves tools and practices and things like that. But the company, the organization that you have, for me, is like the front and the back of the hand. There's all these things in the organization on the one side, and then there's you as a leader on the back, and you move in sync. Um, So I like to say that you have the company you deserve, you deserve the company you have, and the company starts to run away, and then you're like, oh, what's happening to me? And um, and then if the company's doing things, but you're on the other side of it, you'll tamp down on it, like you'll suppress it. Um, I think purpose is already there for the company and for you, but we don't know what it is often in the beginning and it's not articulated, but a leader who knows their purpose and, uh, who knows the company's purpose and sees the balance between the two is much more interested in growth than, uh, a leader who, you know, is just making stuff up or trying to figure out (laughs) whatever. So, 
Uh, so uh, like struggling away at things. So purpose is really the beginning of yeah. our work yeah. with companies are very, very early on. When we do the vision summary, purpose is right there at the top center, right? Yeah. So yeah. the vision summary is our like core sort of strategy, simple high level one page plan. Purpose of Simon Sinek would say is the why um, of the work. Vern Harner would say, what do you care about? Um, but it's that thing that we that we have, and the whole point of purpose is emotion, right? Mm. To make us feel something for the business. Now, same thing's true of your life, right? What is the purpose of your life? Uh, you know, we've read the books or seen the things, uh, the movies, Eat, Pray, Love, or wherever, where people go off on some discovery journey all over the world, and then in the end, they realize something that was always there inside them the whole time, right? Yep. So sometimes yep. these external things help us to see things about ourselves, but it really is right within you, and it's something that you make up, right, both for yourself and your business, that you actually care about. So what do you care about, right? Yeah. What do yeah. I care about? Yeah. Like at the end of my life, you know, hopefully it's long, successful and, you know, awesome and groovy and all that. And then, but at some point, nobody gets out alive. I'm gonna die just like everybody else. And then the people that I love the most will gather around, right? My kids, yeah. my wife, um, my surviving family members, <clears throat> maybe a few of the people I worked with, and some of my friends, and they'll say the nicest things about me. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, they always do. They, they yeah, focus on the nice right. things, and then they go to lunch. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's pretty much always lunch uh, in, in most cultures. And, uh, you know, they have a thing, and then they gather around, and they deal with the whatever they missed, right? So yeah. when those people gather, I just want them to say that I was one of the good guys, that I was generous that I was a contribution to them. Mm -hmm. Then when that. I think about my work, right? I want my work to be a contribution, to make okay. a difference for the companies and the people that we work with and the, the planet and the people, the communities that they belong to. So mm -hmm. I don't tend to work with a company that isn't out to do some good. A company that's all take, 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 or I don't care what the legacy is, isn't a company that works with me for very long. If we work with each other by accident, it ends pretty quickly. And yeah. usually in the first few minutes of an organization, we figure out the purpose. Now, with the purpose in hand, with my life's purpose clear, with the company yeah. purpose clear, the desire to grow is much greater. Because when you have something you care about deeply, as an individual, as a company, your desire to see it like impact and be big in the world is is right there. So um, I think that's the beginning of the growth, right? So leader and company in sync, like the front and the back of the hand, purpose is the emotional driver. Now, why does the purpose and the feelings matter? Feelings drive the passion and the action, the caring, the thing that gets me up in the morning, that gets me like excited about what I'm gonna do in the day is, is all purpose related. Uh, if you wanna not be in that expensive arms race of talent uh, recruitment and retention, you'll use purpose. Yeah. If yeah. you use purpose and culture effectively, 
and uh, and you do the self work that goes along with it to be in sync with it and have it be something that's honest, that's authentic, that's real, then um, then you'll end up with a purpose that engages people the way it engages you. Now, not everyone, right? I, I interviewed a woman years ago to work for a company that we'd worked a lot on our culture and our purpose with and that kind of thing. And then she started telling me about this other company she used to work with and, they, and what they did. And I knew a lot about this other company and I knew some of the leadership and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I smiled and I said, that's really fascinating. I love that you've shared that experience with me. And um, yeah. thanks yeah. so much for coming in today and we'll, we'll be in touch in a few days. But, you know, I didn't tell her in the process that, oh yeah, we're exactly like that company or we'd like to be, and there's no way you're ever going to work here. <laughs> yeah, very different. And, and it's interesting because that's the differentiator. But I might have, I might have just said, uh, I avoided the argument of it at the time, but I might have just said, listen, we're a lot like that. I don't think we should keep going any further. Mm -hmm. I said something like, oh, I find that company kind of fascinating. It was about as far as I went in that, but, you know, to, just to, to avoid an argument over it. And, and, and I love your thing about that feeling piece, isn't it? Because that's the bit. It's the emotional bit. But it's the bit that gets you out of bed in the morning as the busiest leader. The business owner has that feel of what they want to create. And the bit you mentioned then there is if you've got the growth mindset and the purpose mindset, that's the thing that helps the business scale. But you've almost got to get that purpose piece first and then believe that you can grow this thing with purpose and then have right. the system that scaling up brings. But the bit I think okay. is the talent and the capability and the culture that comes together because of the purpose and sticks with you because of your purpose. Right. So uh, let me speak to this other thing, the, the personal side of the leadership side. So I said yeah. that the leader and the organization are like the front and the back of the hand. Yeah. And so what happens, though, is there we're working, we're going up and down and, you know, we're growing along as a business. Um, and as we do that, then we have moments where we feel overwhelmed and we look to the future based on how hard we're working now and we pull the company down or we stop it or we do whatever because we're worried that if I 10x or 100x this company, I just don't have that in me. I, I, I still want to have time with my family. I still want to have like, you know, whatever. And, mm -hmm. and we have this notion that bigger is more of everything in a linear fashion and it's all nonsense right here's the thing to remind yourself that i learned uh fairly early on in my career working for another company mm -hmm. um the leader of a multi-billion dollar organization or a multi-hundred million dollar organization does not work probably even twice as hard as you do yeah so i yeah. could be a thousand times bigger of an organization and I won't work twice as hard. I might even work less hard than you do. I might yeah. carry less yeah. stress. Now, we all carry a certain amount of stress. It's probably uh, the, our set point for stress, our appetite, like our capacity. And we push on things. If you think about like uh, the analogy of like training, I don't have you ever done any running or anything like that? I have. I was out for a minute run first thing this morning before I got on the call with you every day. Every Fantastic. day. As a runner or any other pursuit, each workout is a hard workout, pretty much. Yeah. Now, even you might, maybe you do uh, intervals one day and you do a long run or a recovery run or that kind of thing, but taken like for like, those yeah. are always going to be harder because you're always upping against yourself and your game and right like that kind of thing. So 
it's always going to be hard. Uh, you're always going to have a certain thing because that's your tendency, right? But um, a leader of a multi-billion dollar, a global organization still has to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom. They still have uh, relationships and family lives. And some of them have good ones and some of them have crappy ones, right? Just like the, the yeah. leader of a very small organization or... Um, or, or a, not a leader at all, a frontline uh, uh, team member, um, also has issues with with family and money and that kind of thing. All of these things are so the the same. So the 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 thing to get is that if you simply shift your approach, you develop certain skills of leadership you can actually scale your organization and scale your leadership infinitely. Okay, okay. There's a, so no, I a, would say, yeah. yeah, I would say it starts with purpose, right? Okay. So purpose, I share, how do we engage purpose, right? I express myself and what I care about. Oh, I'm really passionate about ending hunger. I'm really passionate about uh, making information accessible or I'm really passionate about housing or whatever it is, uh, yeah. fueling businesses yeah. or um, any number of things that you, so I see a world like this, I'm passionate about that. I saw this, I wanted to fix it. That's like expressing where the passion, the purpose, the emotion is and lives with vision and self-expression. And when yeah. we like let that out and, and take the lid off, um, our sharing with people, our, our, our communicating, our pitching, our, like the, our evangelizing for our business, yeah. right? We take the lid off that. Now we have lit up people, some of whom are really like personally connected to what we're doing, but that's, that's not yet leadership, right? That's the beginning of something. So the next thing is what's yeah. in it for yeah. you? Why would you come work with me on this thing that we're passionate about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that next bit is engaging people, getting people to see the opportunity for them and to mm -hmm. say yes. So when we engage people, we get them to see opportunity and commit and take action, right? Yeah. In yeah. that, um, that's selling, that's hiring, um, uh, that's partnering, all of these kinds of things end in yes and action. Now, the interesting thing is it's not really so much about the pitch at this point. The skill to develop in sort of the engaged thing that follows the passion, the emotional thing, is listening. So if I'm really listening, and, and by listening, I also mean what we do with our eyes, um, right? So if I'm noticing you, and I'm yeah. interested in you and what you're doing with your life and what you care about. If I ask questions, if I bring curiosity, then when I eventually invite you to partner, buy, work with like that, it's natural, effortless, really aligned. And the effectiveness of that, that engaged yeah. thing goes way up now. Because yeah. I listened yeah. and I paid attention. What I said naturally occurred like an opportunity for you. You said yes, and you started taking action. So now we're really beginning leadership. I've got people lit up. They're now, they've now seen opportunity for themselves. They've committed. They're taking action, right? The next thing we have to do is really comment yeah. to our work, yeah. and that's like planning, right? So we plan. We coordinate. We figure out who works with what. We figure out where and what, what the steps are and all that kind of thing. And that's all pretty good. But then setbacks happen. 
people get discouraged. Yeah. Right, like things don't go as planned. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then, so you could replan, except people get discouraged and they forget why they said yes. So the last piece of the leadership work that I do is coaching. So I'm a coach, okay. but I coach leaders to coach. And coaching is really about reminding people of what they cared about and why they said yes and what they're working on, helping them to figure out new paths to it and to take ever bigger risks and challenges and things like uh -huh. that to step up to more, right? Inviting them to be bigger than they currently see themselves as. Yeah, I love so that. Coaching so puts people back to what were you passionate about? Why did you say yes? Yeah. What are you working on? How's it going, right? Closes the loop. And I call this connection of four leadership disciplines, the leadership flywheel. Okay, and I love that. And you've talked about this on your podcast before, this, this leadership flywheel. Because the bit you mentioned there is the coaching that brings it back there. So people as individuals slowly go off track from where they were. And therefore, you're about bringing them back onto track to what, you know, why do they exist? How do they engage the people they're working with? How do they reconnect that purpose? And actually, you said that it's just about reminding them and about them realizing that actually this is why I'm back in the business, especially when it gets tough. When the going gets tough, you've got to be there as a coach walking alongside them to get them back on track again to enable them to pick things up again. So, one in terms of that leadership flywheel, you mentioned there's five elements in there. So, those five no, elements. Four. four elements. Okay, my mishearing. So four key elements of the, the leadership flywheel. So talking yeah. through that, what, what are those key things? And what are the which was the most important? If you could say there's one of those more important than the other, what is no, it? No, in a flywheel, they're all important, right? We start with purpose, then yeah. we uh, help connect with people and find the opportunity for them. Action begins. Then there's yeah. planning yeah. to do, and then the coaching reminds us and brings us back into the process, right? Loops okay. it back around. So yeah. um, it always begins with purpose, but you could find yourself anywhere on that and needing to move around and, and move on to the next thing. And the thing is that leadership then really becomes easy and mm -hmm. easier and okay. not always easy, right? Like there are setbacks that we have as leaders in organizations. We get knocked down, we get wiped out, right? You get tumbled. As a boy, I body surfed a lot uh, on a beach near our house and I would get out there and, and you'd get tumbled and, and sometimes you, you'd get whacked into the bottom and there might be rocks or sand or coral and you'd get tumbled around, you'd get back, but then you get back up again and you, and you ride again and it's thrilling and you know it goes on until, you know, until you retire, you die. Um, so th like there's moments that are exhilarating, that are fun. There's moments that are terrifying. There's moments that are painful, right? And that's just our lives. But the notion that you can't have what you want. No, you can have a great romantic life. You can have a great financial life. You can have a great family life. You can have great health. You can have all of those things as a leader just like you can have all of those things as a non-leader or a smaller leader, um, the two aren't tied. And you could lead a global movement or organization and, yeah. and have all of those kinds of things. And, and you might not because, look, we're human and we struggle in different areas, you know. Um, but it has nothing to do with the size of the organization that you lead. And I think and that's the key fact, thing. As you lead a big organization, very often the people and the organization will also help take care of you because you're a leader for them and they need you and they need you to be good and well and that kind of thing. Yeah. 
which is almost a bit more of the flywheel in that case, isn't it? Because your flywheel, they're starting with purpose. Right. They need to the two, right. They need you, you need them. Yeah. You become yeah. interconnected like the front and the back of the hand, right? Yeah. I love that. So this thing <laughs> that if you look, if you look at it and you look in the mirror and you think about it, there are times when you've resisted saying yes to something or committing yourself or declaring something because you were afraid of what it meant. But if you could get that, the really big things that we do, we're going to do with other people, not alone, right? And this has nothing to do with introvert, extrovert. I'm a super introvert, but I'll step up things and I'll do things um, in a big public way. And then I just need a little personal time, like quiet time alone or with another person, right? Uh, like. Yeah. Like reduced, but so it has nothing to do with that. But we step up to big things with less fear or more courage, right? Courage is like, oh, I'm afraid, but I'm gonna act anyway. So I see something, I'm a little nervous about it, but I recognize it. And then I lean in and I say, yes, we're going to Mars. Yes, it. we're gonna build uh, a reusable rocket ship. Yes, we're gonna like whatever it is, right? And, and, and it's interesting because I think that bit, coming back to the bit you mentioned there about, you, know, you can have it all. And I think the bit that really resonates to me is a lot of business owners hold themselves back because they're worried about losing out on one thing or the other, or they're not yes. sure they're going to be able to get there. Exactly. Next. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I'd like my life. Oh, I like to kite surf. Or I like to, you know, oh, I, I want to still have time with my kids. You can have time with your kids. Yeah. And I think the key is a lot of businesses don't resonate. So, so getting it all is the key there but a lot of people don't and they, they make that decision to stay small because they don't know how to do it so the key i'm hearing there is that the leadership flow or that coaching piece helps them keep them back on track to why they did a business in their place but also helps them keep them sane but then there's another bit which i'm hearing there is you talk about scaling up we talk about people strategy execution and cash so the thing about systemizing the business to enable the people you've got in it to take some of the strain because you don't have to work twice as hard as me to run that multi-billion pound business. Actually, you need people in the team to do it for you. And I wonder if that's the bit that, that that's driven you in terms of if you think back about your experience of growing the businesses you were in, you know, you joined Scaling Up 10 or so years back. But in terms of those businesses, I wonder if you had had Scaling Up or a process like this, I wonder where it could have taken you. What would you have done differently if you knew well, listen, I, I did. I did have scaling up. So I first okay. learned from Vern back in the early 2000s. And um, through the then the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. Okay. And we brought the practices into our businesses um, to varying degrees. And uh, we had huddles and we had uh, annual and quarterly and half yearly planning. And we did had priorities and we had a theme and we had dashboards and we had scorecards and we had all these kinds of things. And I still couldn't get away for a couple of weeks without being on the phone and going through emails and things like that, because I hadn't evolved my leadership. So we had done all of these things. Uh, okay. To varying okay. degrees. There are some things I did very poorly in those days before I had a coach um, that cost me millions um, very clearly. But the biggest thing was the shift in my leadership. And, and it really came down to becoming a better coach. So as I implemented all these things, but I still worked the way I worked, I was like a lid on the business. But in uh, in 2009, uh, coming out of or in the middle of a recession, we realized 
that we were hitting a moment in the kids in our lives where we said we were going to travel and get away. So okay. whether I had a company or not, and whether we survived or grew or not, we were going to get away. And I spent then uh, about nine or 10 months asking a question in a couple different forms uh, of people. So people came to me with problems. And then what I used to do is I would help them figure out the solution to the problem and give them resources or make decisions or things like that. And I stopped doing that then when I realized I needed to get away and that I was the problem. And I started asking, what do you think we should do? Yeah. Yeah. And the second question I asked was, what are you going to do when I'm gone? Because I told everybody I was leaving for a month. Now, leaving for a month in lots of Europe is not a huge deal. But in the United States of North America, leaving for a month as a leader is a huge effing deal. And <laughs> and we don't take a holiday in the same way. But yeah, so yeah. it was monumental to be going away for the summer or even for a month. And I just kept asking a question, what are you going to do when I'm gone? And so yeah. everything people brought to me, I said, great, what do you think we should do? And what are you going to do when I'm gone? And I just kept asking that question and grappling with that with everyone as much as I could remember to do it. And I used sticky notes and I used other kinds of reminders and tricks to remember to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I took my family to Italy. Now, two things really, really great happened out of that. One, I got a fantastic month away with the family. Right. We went sailing. We went driving around. We ate well, like all the things you do in Italy. Right? Love it. <laughs> it's Love really it. Quality of life. And uh, and we had this monumental experience when the kids were of the right age, like uh, 12 and 14 or something like that, to really appreciate it. Um, but the other thing that I got is a company and a team that got a lot better at managing themselves, at running their business. And that was the beginning of what led to my exiting the business and becoming a coach. Like I changed the business into something that required a little less attention. Now we made further structural changes later, um, pretty dramatic ones to the business, but um, we still own that business. Uh, it just looks profoundly different than it ever did in the past, so. Okay, so the bit I'm hearing there is it's about, so, so you could implement all the tools, you could bring in the people strategy execution, the cash tools, you could go through all that, but the fundamental shift you had to make was in your leadership style to enable you to ask that question, what are you going to do when I'm gone? So you could then step out of the business and enable the business to run. So your flywheels were still working, your business is still turning over cash, making money. But the key was you as leader could step out of the business, step out of the day to day. And, and it, it, it really reminds me when I set up my business back in 2004, my accountant gave me that good old book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Michael yeah, e. Gerber, yeah. should I say? And, uh, and she said, before, Phil, before you set up your business, go and read this book. And, uh, and I fell into that. I became Sarah running my chocolate factory. If ever you've read the book um, recently, Sarah was running a business and then you know, she gets stuck in it and she ends up hating chocolate. And I've talked about this quite a lot to clients because I think a lot of people do get stuck in it. They come up with a product they love and then they can't extricate themselves from it because they're so entwined in the business. But what you did to enable you to go to, go to Italy was ask that question, what are you going to do when I'm gone? Yeah. And then people stepped up to help you run that business and they run it for you rather than you having to run it for them is what I'm hearing. So the, before then, I had, um, I had the purpose of the company articulated and really well known and really engaged everyone in the company. We'd done that work.
Okay. Everybody knew their job and why they were there. I spent time with each of them on the opportunity for them and that kind of thing. They were committed. They were taking action. And we had a regular practice of planning and replanning and all of that bit. So all those parts of leadership were there except the coaching. And it's funny because I was already coaching and thought of myself as a coach and worked as a coach. But I hadn't really applied it to the way I ran the business until that point. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was like, Sometimes, sometimes, if I'm honest, it was pretend coaching uh, where I'd uh, I'd go through some thoughtful things and then I'd tell people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and what really shifted was that pullback. And it, and it was in part like I, I boxed myself into something that I was going to have to deal with, right? So, uh, hey, I'm leaving town. And, and a certain amount of fear had me doing that because either that was going to F up my trip or uh, F up my company or a little bit of both. And so I really worked hard on that for nine or 10 months by committing myself to going on that trip. So I said we were going on it. I bought tickets to go on it. Uh, I marked time in everyone's calendar to go on it, right? So that really held me accountable for doing the work I needed to do as a leader to become a proper coach. Yeah. And, and, and there's two things come to mind for that as well, being a proper coach, because I think you and I can sit here as coaches to other businesses and help them develop the things. But the key there is you as leader stepping up as coach, rather than having a coach coach you to do it. You actually had to do it yourself. You had to become that coach as the leader. And a lot of people, I think, don't think of this themselves. They think of themselves as the manager or the, the founder or the entrepreneur. But actually, at heart, they've got to be the coach to the business because otherwise they're going to always be the bottleneck. Right. So I think leader is a more apt term. For sure, you're a founder. For sure, you're an entrepreneur. You may yeah. manage things, but you have to lead people. Um, yeah. I think it was Rick, Admiral Ricketts um, who said that. Uh, I'm not sure about it, but but I believe he said, you know, we management is kind of a silly thing. You manage things, but you lead people. And um it's useful to remember that we lead people, right? So, and and what are those critical tasks and disciplines, uh, skills that a leader needs, right? We have to inspire people. And you're drawn to some of them. I know some yeah. leaders, every time we, we begin this conversation, we find some are great evangelists. They love to fire people up, but then they're terrible at getting people to commit to things um, or it's kind of accidental. People say yes and that kind of thing. Other people are are detailed planners. And then a very few are skilled coaches. It's a far less common of the four things. But, but you actually need to develop some capacity or some access to all of them in leveraging your strengths and tendencies, right? I'm, I'm uh, verbose, articulate. Um, I talk a lot, right? So I have to learn to listen. And even if it's not my nature, I have to design occasions, reminders, things like that to remember to listen yeah. um, in order to do that. So the speaking and the sharing part comes really easy for me. The planning I design in regular, I have a certain amount of planning. And then the coaching thing is, is really like also not in my nature. I'm not naturally empathetic. I have to think about what's going on with people. I have to stop and notice. I have to slow down. But what inspires me for my life yeah. is yeah. being a contribution. What inspires me for my life is, is connecting with other human beings. So I have to learn and develop and access that life purpose in order to be a good coach. 
Because it wouldn't be in my nature. I would just be bossy and full of advice. That's more my nature. <laughs> and I love that in terms of you actually taking that time out to find out what the thing that you need to do is. Because from your perspective, you once you get clear around that for yourself, you can work it out. But then you can work out where your strengths and your weaknesses are. You know, we often talk uh, and use tools like Gallup Strengths in, in scaling up and other tools as well um, to help you understand what yeah. those things are. But the, the key is the work right there. <laughs> love it. The coach strengths kit. Yeah. Perfect. We need to talk about that another day in that case. That's another topic I'm going to bring up with you, but not today. Not today. So, so Bill, in one thing you mentioned, I think you've already covered this. When we were talking before the show, we talked about um, you know, the things to cover. And you've talked about leadership, you talked about purpose, and you said about secret sauce. Now I think you've told me it already, but if I've missed it, what is that secret sauce? What's the thing? For sure, I haven't told you the secret. In fact, you didn't really open at the beginning, but I have learned a secret to growing your business. And I encounter a lot of people who'd really just like to double their business. And I would say doubling your business is really, really hard work. People spend years doing it and, and some of them never do it. Um, and, and the problem with doubling your business is it's pretty incremental. All the thinking, all the work is incremental. We make refinements, we fine tune things, we work on removing some barriers, but there's nothing very transformational about doubling your business. However, if you wanna double your business, it gets really easy and it happens really fast if you sincerely uh, and uh, consistently engage in 10X thinking. So if you start to think about a 10X or better, so you could go 100x, you could go global. If you start to think about what would it look like? How would I like, you know, whatever the business is, mm -hmm. what, what would it look like to be 10 times bigger? Wow. That will force you to make profound changes in the way that you work and think and what you do that will make doubling happen quickly and easily. It'll happen along the way to your 10x goal um, as a natural outgrowth of something. It's a little bit like, you know, I know as a runner, I, I one of the coolest things that I've learned about running a marathon is that it makes running a half marathon really easy and fun. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. I agree I've with that. Never, I've never run an easy marathon, but I would say after running a couple of marathons, the half marathons became a piece of cake. Yeah. So uh, that's the thing that I'd say, like play a 10X game. Think about global ambitions for your business. I hear you've got an airplane overhead there. So think about global ambitions for your business and uh, 10x, 100x, nationwide, whatever it is, that's not just like a double kind of thing. And the growth will get a lot easier. You'll have to start to think transformationally about things because you can't just incrementally get to 10x. I, I, I love that. And you know, using your marathon example, I can exactly relate to that as well. When I ran my 10th marathon, it, everything was easy. Running my first marathon, I remember I remember going to do my first ever half marathon. I ran it, and I remember the time, one hour, 44 minutes and 58 seconds. And I remember I just beat my 145 barrier. But I remember finding that half marathon so hard. And then as I went through my marathon training and I did more and more marathons, I would just pop out and run a, run a half marathon at the drop of the hat. And I right. loved that. And one day I remember my friend George, was, was he challenged himself to run 10 marathons back to back. So I joined him. I decided to join him. He was running five mile loops to our local town. 
and just doing, he was doing five and a bit loops of the town. And I decided one day just to go and join him for one of those loops. And I just rocked up, turned up there. And I ended up running five and a bit loops of the town with him. I did a marathon that day. My wife hated it because I just, I literally just popped to the shops to see George for half an hour. And uh -huh. three and a half hours I came back, haven't run that marathon. But the key you mentioned there is actually, it's about connecting your scale. You know, Bill, Bill, when George went to run his 10 marathons back to back, that was about 10 acting because he knew a marathon was tough. So he 10 x and said, how do I run 10 back to back marathons? And actually, I love your point there, actually. So the, the secret source you're saying that is 10xing or thinking yes. bigger than just thinking, thinking 10x. Think, think exponentially and the growth gets a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. And, and Not so incremental. So, so, the, so the key is there's a couple of things coming to mind for me here. Okay, so, so 10xing your thinking, leading with purpose, getting on board your leadership flywheel to start you driving that bringing coaching in there, coaching as a leader. There's a whole load of tools you talked about here. That, that well, they're very, very connected, right? As soon as you get your business purpose and your life purpose, your willingness to play a 10X game, your interest in a 10X game just um, jumped way up. <clears throat> so when you, uh, when you get clear about your purpose, right? It's so motivating when it's really clear for you and you start to share it with people, the desire, the willingness to play a 10 X game to really like upset things is way increased. Yeah. And I've yeah. worked with and come across lots of people. I, I remember a guy um, uh, here in the Bay area, great company um, working in the educational space. Um, and, and he's like, ah, I love uh, like every time I hear you talk, I want to grow my company and that kind of thing. But I just, I like worry about what that's going to mean for my lifestyle and yeah. what if yeah. things get like altered in the company. And uh, so I, I said, you know, it's really that's a self-imposed constraint. It doesn't have to be like that. Like you could be how you want it to be. And and ultimately he didn't do it. Um, the the fear won the day in that case. Um, but really what was holding him back was fear of losing the life and the self that he knew. And he just, you know, he just didn't lean into it. That's okay. And, and I guess that's one of the big things, isn't it? Because most business owners constrain themselves based on their thinking. So if you want to 10X your thinking, you've got to think differently. You've got to do things that you've got to think out of the box in terms of where it's going to go. Because to grow a business takes time, takes cash, we always, you know, Vernon, you talk about growth sucking cash. We've got to think those are things. But if you think about 10xing, it's thinking, okay, how do I change my lifestyle around that? Because I don't want to be working more than the 168 hours I'm given in a week because I can't physically do it. And you can't, but you will work with leaders. You will engage other leaders. And yeah. the only way you're going to get there. And in fact, I've seen a few leaders, um, who have tanked the growth that we started to put in with companies. I had one leader of a fairly large company, one of our billion dollar companies, who would send people, he like tried to superman it. He tried to work all sorts of hours and that kind of thing. He'd send people like an email at three in the morning when he was up stressing about things, asking them if they wouldn't be prepared to talk about something at the 9 a.m. meeting. And then they'd wake up and, you know, 6 a.m. or something, they'd check their email and suddenly they'd have like a huge, like freak out and their day would start like crap because they're like, oh, I have to be prepared to answer this for the CEO of the billion dollar company at the 9 a.m. meeting. And I am like 
I'm, I don't even have coffee in me yet. Right. So I'd say that's a real problem. Um, so there's somebody like trying to work too hard instead yeah, of empowering yeah. people to fulfill their vision, to contribute to something and so on. That's not like just giving a lot of orders and working a lot of hours produces very unhealthy environments. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Because it's not about adding more hours. It's not about doubling what you do. It's not about becoming you know, the superman to do it. It's about understanding how you empower others, how you coach them, how you develop them, and how you, you know, you talked there about the Admiral Ricketts piece around leading people. And that's through the inspiration. So Bill, I think we've, yeah. we've covered so many different things in this. And you know, we said we had to speak for 45 minutes. And I think we've covered about 45 minutes now. Um, yeah. the, I'm hearing there is, you know, you've got so many elements of this. Um, and when I asked you about leadership firewall, and I said to you just now, you know, which is the most important, you said they're all important. And I'm hearing there that all of these elements come together in terms of helping you build it. It's not about one thing, it's about all these things together. Because as you found 10 years plus before you went to Italy, you tried to do all these things, but it was when you made that difference and when you tried to coach differently and show up differently that made the difference. So, so one final question for you. You mentioned about the, um, the, the the eulogy at the funeral. You know, we're all going to get there one day. Um, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, one day people are going to be sitting around, the, around this box and they'll be talking about Bill Gallagher and Phil Rose and saying, hey, what great guys they were. What's the way you want to be remembered? What's the weird thing you want them to say? Hey, Bill, he was a great guy because. What was well, it? I said it at the beginning of the show. I want to be... Um, remembered as a generous contribution. I want to be remembered as making a difference for the people uh, who I who I worked with, and really like helping people, contributing to people to be better versions of themselves, to realize their dreams. In my business, our business purpose is helping leaders build a better world. So the companies that I work with for a long period of time are doing something good in the world. Sometimes they don't realize it when they start working with me, but they're drawn to doing something that's a net gain that's a contribution that it's not an energy suck or a, a selfish take it's a comes from a place of abundance and value creation so that's the kind of companies that we work with they're doing good things um and uh and and that's really my work is helping people realize whatever it is that matters to them i love it love it and bill all i can say is this last 45 minutes i think you've lived up to that in terms of contribution because i'm sure listeners will have got a lot out of this uh, and you said halfway through the one thing that you're you're very good at is talking articulately. And I think you've done that really well over this last 45 minutes. So thank you for, uh, for entertaining and bringing some of the key messages here around how do you build a business with purpose? How do you lead with purpose? And how do you coach with purpose? So Bill Gallagher, uh, thank you very much. One final question. How do people connect with you? Where do they go find Bill Gallagher in the Bay Area? So um, scalingcoach.com is our website. Easy to remember. We'll find you. Bill Gallagher, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Baconian podcast. So please go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there, some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also, think about what actions you want to take, because there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say, and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. 
give us a call. Let us know what you think. Give us a review. Thank you.